Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for joining us. I am back from San Diego. Wow, missing that San Diego weather already. Had a great time at the National Biodiesel Conference. Hope you enjoyed our broadcast the last couple of days from there. An industry that uh, has its challenges but has shown a lot of growth and has a lot of potential for more growth. I thought a pretty upbeat attitude uh, at that conference and enjoyed talking with folks and leaders of that industry the last couple of days. Coming up on today's program, we're going to talk with the past president of the National Pork Producers Council, NPPC is part of a group urging the administration to lift those tariffs on steel and aluminum on Mexico and Canada. We'll talk with Randy Spronk, Minnesota pork producer, a little bit later on. We're going to talk markets today with Arlen Suderman with INTL FC Stone and immigration with Paul Schlegel with the American Farm Bureau Federation. But we're going to start things off with, of course, uh, the news today that FSA offices are reopening around the country, and joining us to talk about it is USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Bill, thanks for joining us. You bet. Glad to be with you, Mike. Okay, so the announcement came out this week that the offices would be opening up today. Give us some details, if you can, please. Uh, So we have uh, really all the offices uh, across the country. There are 2,124 offices across the country. We have a few part-time offices. They're probably on the regular schedule that they were on, occasional visits. But all the full-time offices are open, uh, about 9,700 people across uh, FSA are back. Um, We're doing several of the programs uh, that we know folks um, have have been looking uh, to be able to participate in, certainly operating notes uh, for uh, for farmers, both beginning farmers and, and non-beginning farmers that would qualify for operating notes, market facilitation program, uh, so folks that uh, have not turned in uh, their production uh, numbers uh, or have not signed up for that program uh, will need to come in for that. Of course, the uh, production numbers aren't due until... Uh, May 1st, uh, but the uh, the sign-up for that program uh, is due the 14th of February. Uh, so encourage folks to get in to do that. And then marketing assistance loans uh, is uh, one of those things. So that's the nine-month loan. Sometimes in the Midwest we'll call that sealing grain. Um, and uh, we, will, we have some folks that uh, put crop under loan in the fall, uh, intended to go ahead and sell some of that here in January, uh, even made a payment, but couldn't maybe get a warehouse receipt, um, uh, and and so I would get their warehouse receipt released because that was collateral for the loan, and now they can come in and and get that done uh, as well, as well as taking out new marketing and assistant loans. Anything they'll not be able to do during this uh, callback? We are not able to offer farm ownership loans, uh, so either direct or guaranteed farm ownership loans. Uh, we know that's an impact to folks. Um, what we're able to work on is is some programs that still had money available, uh, either it wasn't all spent yet or, or we have access through CCC, the way Congress set up a program. In fact, the reason that we're able to open um, is the, the – consideration of OMB of some of our programs uh, that have funding that Congress has provided funding for 
Uh, we did not have people uh, funding to be able to deliver that, so uh, money for salaries. Uh, but but we had programs uh, that if we weren't going to implement those, you know, for a week or two, that's one thing, but we're into five weeks now. Uh, if we don't get to around to offering operating loans until the middle of summer, uh, then uh, then we completely thwart the the viability and the intent of Congress of that program. So, so some of these programs have uh, are really time sensitive and and need to be able to be delivered. Uh, so uh, the folks that we're bringing back uh, are having to wait for their paychecks, like the uh, the folks that are that are home as well. So uh, they are. We don't have money to be able to fund the salaries of the folks that are coming back to do this. Uh, but we do want to make sure that we deliver these programs in a way that works for producers, in a way that was intended by Congress when they set the programs up. We're talking with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Bill, will all employees be back at work today? Will the offices be fully staffed? They will. Uh, you know, we may have a few employees that uh, uh, were a long ways away and, and in two days couldn't get back or something like that, and, but they'll all be back. Um, and, and as time goes on, uh, again, one of those other areas that we can offer some service in is conservation reserve programs uh, contracts, so we can, we can work on existing contract needs, but we, we will not be offering new contracts either continuous enrollment uh, or general enrollment. So there may be some of our functions as time goes on uh, that will say um, we, we don't have as much work for some of those folks to do because we're not able to deliver those programs. So uh, we may have some folks uh, not report uh, at that time. But right now we know we have a backlog. We know we need all hands on deck. And uh, whether you're working exactly on the program that somebody's coming to the counter today uh, to ask for help on or not. We need you in the office to be able to help our producers that uh, have a lot of needs and have been hoping that office was going to be open over the last five weeks. At least finally we'll be able to take care of some of that business. Where do the trade mitigation payments stand as far as where you uh, are and how far behind because of the shutdown, things like that? Well, we we did extend the deadline. We were uh, original deadline had been January 15th to sign up. Uh, we had about two thirds of what uh, we thought might be the total payments made uh, as of uh, December, whatever that day was. Was it the 27th? Was our last day or 28th? Uh, was our last day uh, that we were open? So uh, a little over five billion of the uh, uh, maybe eight billion dollars that we expect will make in mitigation payments. Uh, so about two thirds were done. Of course, others had signed up but hadn't provided their production evidence uh, or production information. Uh, so we need to get production information for that remaining one third, uh, as well as we need to make sure that that uh, even if folks are going to wait a little longer to provide that production evidence uh, for whatever reason, that they get their sign-up done by the 14th of February. So the plan is, because we don't know how long the shutdown will last, but uh, the plan until it does end, uh, uh, that the offices will be open for two weeks, and then you go to a three-day week, is that right? That's right, Mike. So we'll go... uh, 
these two days, this week, Thursday, Friday, and then two full weeks, two five-day weeks, and then we'll go to three-day weeks after that, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Of course, we all help between now and then. Uh, maybe while we're talking, something could get solved, um, and we could be back to full funding. But if we're not, uh, then uh, we'll go to that schedule. So we do intend to stay open. Uh, so this is not the same limited opening that we had around the credit work uh, that we did last Thursday, Friday, and Tuesday. Uh, this is an ongoing opening because these programs uh, need somebody in the office to be able to continue to, to deliver them. Bill, thanks for your time to bring us up to date on this and give us the latest. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Mike. Take care. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. All right, coming up next, former President of the National Pork Producers Council, Randy Spronk, joins us to talk trade issues next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. 
Together, we can save lives. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. A very diverse coalition of more than 45 groups representing different sectors of the U.S. economy have joined with the National Pork Producers Council calling for an end to U.S. tariffs on Canadian and Mexican aluminum and steel imports. Joining us now is former president of the National Pork Producers Council, Minnesota pork producer Randy Spronk. Randy, thanks for joining us. Tell us about this coalition. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, glad to be with you this morning. Gave me a good reason to get out of the cold. Uh, so, yeah, uh, really what we're uh, – uh, you can see the, the individuals that are on the letter here. What we're really trying to do is raise the consciousness of the impact that these steel and aluminum tariffs that are having on us because the 20 percent uh, uh, duty into Mexico uh, remains on as long as those are in place. And so we're, we're asking the administration to remove those tariffs so that uh, we can remove the tariffs on uh, our product that's moving into Canada and Mexico. These are not just ag groups in this coalition. You know, that's obvious. It's a broad uh, broad array in, in this coalition here, uh, uh, specters of the United States economy. And I guess, uh, you know, I can only speak from my standpoint as a pork producer. You know, Mexico has been our number one volume uh, uh, country for a long time here. Uh, a lot of our hams go into there. And really, figure over the last six months that's come out of the pot because of the 20% retaliatory tariff that was put on uh, in response to the steel and aluminum tariffs. So we're just asking that, uh, uh, you know, we've, we've renegotiated the, the uh, NAFTA here, so U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement, and so really we've got it done. We need to get it for the removal of those 20% tariffs uh, because obviously it's having a very detrimental market right now. So the coalition has sent a letter to Commerce Secretary Ross and Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer urging the administration to lift these tariffs. And it's really, I mean, we we keep looking at the uh, debate and the vote, hopefully, in Congress on the new tariffs are removed. It's hard to really get focused on, on the trade deal. You know, that's correct. Uh, as long as we've got that in front of us, and the financial impact that's happening, uh, it's pretty difficult for producers to be excited about lobbying uh, uh, for uh, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement. Uh, uh, the financial impact that they're having here. So, uh, yeah, you're correct in that uh, we want to raise the specter to Secretary Ross and to Representative uh, Lighthizer that the impact that it is having on uh, uh, rural America and pork producers in particular, and to ask uh, that they resolve the steel and aluminum issue separate from agriculture. We're talking with Randy Sprock, Minnesota pork producer, past president of the National Pork Producers Council. Randy, is it fair to say that really uh, any benefits gained in the new uh, the new NAFTA deal would be offset if these uh, tariffs aren't removed. That's exactly correct. And when uh, you have that large of a uh, portion of the carcass, hams make up 50% of the carcass. When uh, you look at current market conditions, uh, uh, it's, it's easily 20 to 25 cents a pound that hams have been reduced versus a year ago. Very easily adds up to that 10 to $12 per head. Uh, and that's uh, that tariff isn't paid by anybody, but it, but but the producer that's selling that ham, it's reflected in our current uh, market conditions that we have here. You look at the CME index uh, today versus a year ago; it's it's twenty dollars per head, 
and uh, that's coming out of the producer's pocket. And so we want to uh, uh, have those tariffs. We're, we're pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, give us a level playing field. Uh, remove uh, uh, non-tariff tariff trade barriers here, and uh, we'll be competitive, and, and our product will move naturally uh, into these markets. The tariffs, of course, are also hurting U.S. manufacturers who uh, depend on steel and aluminum, uh, and that that is also another impact on on uh, farmers because of the products that they buy with steel and aluminum in them. Yeah, it's very evident any time that uh, you're looking to you know for repair products or products uh, that are utilized on the farm, obviously in uh, swine production. I'm looking out uh, a window here at aluminum trailers. Uh, and aluminum products that we utilize for biosecurity to uh, steel products that are purchased, uh, you know, it has had an impact and raised those prices here. And so it's kind of a double effect, not only on your revenue side, but also on your cost side. You know, there's been so much focus and attention, and understandably so, on talks with China, and certainly we're we're hopeful for a positive outcome there. But the, the tariffs on steel and aluminum on Mexico and Canada have kind of dropped out of the news, and so it's important to make sure that people are aware these are still in place and causing harm. When you look at uh, our industry, our top five uh, markets that we export to, from Japan to Mexico to China, to Canada, to South Korea, all those five markets. Those five markets make up over 80% of our exports. All five of those markets have been impacted uh, by the steel and aluminum tariffs. Obviously, uh, South Korea is the sh- shining spot here because uh, our exports are up to that country. But there again, they resolved uh, the free trade agreement with North Korea, and so uh, our products have been moving, and, and that's been t- taking some of the brunt away from some of these other countries because they've been buying our product because it is discounted here. And so that is what's important to us as we look at our top five markets, uh, uh, like as I stated, Japan and China, and to your reference Specifically with Canada and Mexico, we haven't renegotiated a, uh, a new agreement, but we haven't removed those steel and aluminum tariffs, and thus the 20% uh, tariff uh, on our product going to Mexico stays into place. And so that's what we're kindly and gently asking for is please remove those steel and aluminum so that uh, we can remove the tariffs that's on our product. We have already heard some in Congress question or criticize parts of the new USMCA and we know that's going to intensify as they really take it up. It's going to take a lot of lobbying by various sectors who want to see it passed to try to get their message across to members of Congress. It, but that lobbying really can't take place, can it, or not in, in, with full momentum until this tariff issue is resolved. That's correct. Uh, you know, those metal tariffs are undermining the ability of the private sector to lobby for passage of the uh, U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement. You know, it's, these duties are, are becoming, uh, you know, it's been stated before, a hair-on-fire issue that's draining resources otherwise could be used to uh, focus on the passage of the free trade agreement. So I think that's what we're, we're saying is uh, to, uh, you know, to the administration, remove the steel and aluminum tariffs. It's going to make us a lot more beneficial to us so that we can lobby for this uh, passage of this free trade agreement when it gets into Congress. Randy, no doubt these trade issues are, you know, just top of the list for agriculture in general. The pork industry in particular uh, relies heavily on these exports, and any disruption in trade like we have been seeing the last several months, as you pointed out, is very costly. Well, and, and there again, I just returned from China, uh, uh, Beijing, China, the first uh, part of January here. on a uh, gave a uh, biosecurity presentation. It was the seventh uh, U.S.-China uh, pork summit. You know, and as you look at, uh, you know, opportunities that we have uh, uh, with China here, uh, had producers there asking, 
you know, can you provide uh, a product to China? And without a doubt, when, when we look at our carcass, we look at, you know, where can we find the highest value for each and every one of those primals? Obviously, China, uh, when it comes to the offall, is a, a much higher value than what we have domestically. And so, you know, going to China takes us out of the market. They openly stated that the EU and, and Brazil and, and Canada were the ones that were getting that market share. It was most recently in the news here, uh, Japan, our number one value customer, has been for several decades uh, that we're going to lose that uh, market to Canada here as uh, because, uh, you know, they've uh, we are out of uh, the Trans-Pacific Trade Partnership and the rest of those countries uh, continued on. And so actually Mexico and Canada are going to have a lower uh, tariff going into Japan and what we do, and we're going to lose hard-fought market share that we've had for decades uh, in Canada. Same thing when it comes true to uh, Canada and Mexico here because of uh, the NAFTA. Uh, you know, it's very difficult. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, market products are still moved to those countries, but, you know, it's at a lower price, uh, uh, and specifically the amount of the 20% duty that's on those products uh, that's going into those countries. So a lot of challenges currently that are going on, and, and uh, we need some resolution to these, otherwise they're going to be long-term uh, financial harm, and we're going to lose those markets uh, that were very uh, hard-fought uh, winning those in the first place. What did you learn about the situation in China with African swine fever? You know, it's obviously uh, it's what we were there for. The whole summit was all about uh, uh, African swine fever and disease, and I actually gave a presentation on biosecurity, very basic on-farm biosecurity. What was our experience from, you know, the elimination of pseudorabies in our country, which is still in China, to uh, you know, PERS to uh, uh, PED, and just the lessons that we've learned and, and uh, some of the basic. And so, you know, very uh, eager and listening and learning. Uh, uh, you know, met with not only academia, but uh, uh, importers of product into China to, uh, and, you know, it's really interesting. I think uh, when when I was there, it was very difficult to get a, a true number on what was the reduction in sows. Uh, they have since then came out. I'm sure you saw the release last week that uh, mm-hmm. uh, their sow numbers uh, from the uh, China government uh, would be down 6 million sows. That's the number that's equal to our total number of sows in the United States. So a dramatic reduction, uh, 15%. You know, within China, uh, it's overlaid that uh, the freezers are full. Uh, as they've uh, 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 sought to quell the spread of the disease, they've actually uh, uh, pulled marketings forward. Uh, and so we need to work through that first. So it's going to be a delayed uh, delayed effect here. But there is going to be uh, uh, some time in 2019 here where they're going to start uh, in, or going to need to import uh, port, uh, more pork. Actually, was on a, a panel with a producer from Portugal that actually 40 years ago had ASF. And they were talking about into China. So very, uh, it's going to be a long tail. It's going to be delayed, but it's going to be long for a long time. Randy, thanks for the update. Thank you. Have a good day. Randy Sprunk, Minnesota pork producer, past president of the National Pork Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. 
That's 800-991-5852. Thermos Boss, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Here's a look at the morning market. Brought to you by the American Ag Network. Grains are weaker as trade away. The wheat market taking a breather for the first time this week. Trade talks continue to be the main price driver, even as South American production estimates are far from settled due to weather. Are mostly quiet this morning, but the U.S. dollar index is trading near 2019 highs. March corn is down two at 376 and three quarters. May down two at 385 and a quarter. New crop is down one and a half at 396 and a quarter. March beans down one and three quarters at 913 and a quarter. May down one and three quarters at 927. New crop down one and a half at 947 and three quarters. March wheat down one and a half at 524 and a half. New crop down one and a quarter at 544 and a half. Kansas City, March wheat down one and a half at 513 and a half. Wheat is down one at 574 and a half. Turning to the livestock markets where cattle are now mixed, hogs are also mixed this morning. Weather is a concern this week for the livestock market as cold and snowy weather is forecast for the next few days. February live cattle down 27 at 125.27. April live cattle down 22 at 126.27. January feeders up 52 at 143.60. March up 30 at 143.95. And April is up 10 at 144.87. February lean hogs down 17 at 60.60. April lean hogs down 30 cents at 64. 55. The outside markets, the Dow is down this morning about 50 to 60 points. The Nasdaq's up about 20. Crude oil's down $1.23 a barrel. For Adams on Agriculture, this is the American Ag Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Joined now by Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks for joining us. How how big of an impact is the shutdown having without without us having access to numbers and and reports that are? What impact is that having? Well, it certainly takes some work off our load each each week and each day. Uh, but the risk is that uh, as we estimate numbers, we estimate the fundamentals and what's happening, and everyone in the in the industry is doing that. 
it raises the risk that you start drifting away from what is reality and you make some errors in your estimations and start drifting away. And it can be in either direction. But when we do eventually get those numbers out, then you, the market has to correct for what reality is as defined by USDA. And it could be a significant market correction, again, in either direction. Well, we are starting to see some of the uh, estimates coming out, different groups releasing their numbers on planning intentions uh, for this year. Yeah, certainly. I think there's still an expectation that we're probably going to see a small shift from from soybeans to corn. There's the core of the Midwest still wants to stay in its rotations, and I don't see much of a shift there. But we could see a million or two shift. Right now we're looking at corn going up to 91.2 million acres. We need to see some increased corn acres this next year. Even if we do no business with China, the rest of the world stocks are very tight. And assuming normal yields here in the Black Sea region, um, and at this point, I think that has to be considered at risk with uh, the dryness that we're seeing in parts of Brazil. What will the growing season be like? But it's too soon to make any assumptions other than normal weather. Two acres. That being said, the market's not too concerned about that happening. The big question is what will China do and how will that influence planning intentions here over the next 60 to 90 days? What other crops could pick up some acres from soybeans that won't all go to corn probably, even though the majority would? What else? What other crops would pick up? Well, we're looking for modest increases in uh, spring wheat acres and in cotton. So opposite north versus south part of the country, some changes there. Some of the other alternative crops will pick up a little bit here and there. But right now we're not looking for much of a shift at all um, in uh, acreage overall other than uh, maybe that uh, one to two million acre shift from soybeans to, to corn. Talking with Arlen Suderman with so even though more corn acres expected, it's, it still sounds like you're friendly corn. I am. Uh, now, yeah, I want to put that in, in perspective. I'm not talking $6 corn here, but when you look at global stocks outside of China and assume that China stays on the outside, basically, of any significant business in the world, demand is growing faster than what production is in the rest of the world. That includes the United States. So as I look at my global balance sheet, I see exports continuing to creep higher as we try to service that demand, and that's assuming no big weather problems. The margin for error is going to be very small. We're looking at a 38- to 39-day supply of corn outside of China and the United States. So that means the U.S. has to be the primary supplier if there is a weather problem or if the demand rises more than we're anticipated. So I do look for corn prices to, over time, appreciate higher. And then if you do have a weather problem, you can get a more significant rally. If we would have a big shift out of soybean acres into corn that would meet much of that need, that would certainly remove the need for the market to rally to get those acres. That's the big if at this point. I keep cautioning against unrealistic expectations for the uh, trade talks with China, and we got some coming up, some more talks here soon. It 
because and there could be you know some more purchases and different things announced uh, here and there along the way. But it sure sounds like, as you hear from more and more officials, that this is a very long-term situation. This could go on for some time. Uh, definitely so. We have the March 1 deadline for an agreement or tariffs on $200 billion that are currently a 10% tariff go up to 25%. China certainly doesn't want to see that happen. But China really showed a lot of their cards last week, I believe, when they made the offer of increasing purchases of U.S. goods by a trillion dollars over the next six years. Uh, as long as they didn't have to deal with these structural issues that the Trump administration is insisting on dealing with. China has made promises on those structural issues to other presidents of both parties, Republican and Democrat, in the past. Neither side demanded any type of real verification or enforcement. And so President Trump, seeing that and how China didn't keep to its word, is seeking that this time around. Um, China has made it clear in their offer last week that they're willing to throw their agricultural sector under the bus in order to get a deal without having to deal with those structural issues. And if you look at what's happening within the structure of China, um, the culture of the leadership of China, and their, their group of 400 that kind of rules the country within that is a smaller group of 50 and then a the group of seven at the top of that, they've really solidified their hold on power over the past six months through this crisis and are really battening down the hatches, so to speak, ready to ride this out if they have to. I don't think they have any intention on agreeing to anything that's going to really enforce them making structural changes. So then it comes down to, will President Trump hold out anyway for these structural changes and enforcement of them? Um, and if so, it could be a long, rough ride uh, over the next two to six years, or will he give in to something that has increased flow of commodities near term, but these problems come back down the road? And that's going to be the critical issue. But I do not see any change in China giving in on these structural issues. Ten years, 15, 20 years from now, we look back, do we, do we look at this situation and say South America was the biggest winner in all this? Well, I'm not sure if you can. Well, certainly over the next uh, 10 to 20 years, perhaps so, longer term, as I look at what China is doing uh, with its policies to extend its reach, both economically and militarily around the world, the various countries, I think it raises some real concerns. Are there any winners in it? And uh, I think there's some real concerns about the spread of the Chinese influence around the world and the impact that that will have. What is the right way to deal with that? I think you really need to have a, a global effort in order to do that. I think President Trump has been trying to, in his trade agreements, write that into agreements with other countries to try to really isolate China. But frankly, I don't think he's going to get that support out of Europe because Europe's economy is too weak right now to deal with China in the way that we are. And without Europe's support, I just do not see it happening and I think China's influence and control is going to continue to grow. Let's look at it a little more narrowly then. Let's, from a soybean perspective, does this open the big door for South America? It does really open the door for South America. As we've seen over the last year, their prices have risen, aided by a weak currency, and uh, certainly has helped their profit line uh, to become the dominant soybean producer in the world and, and exporter 
in the world, and that's a real problem. Now you throw into that after they've ramped up their production, decreasing uh, demand within China because of African swine fever. Actual death loss for African swine fever is probably less than 1%, but it is such a threatening disease and continues to spread that producers there are slaughtering their animals early, not restocking, and and based on our study on the ground in China, we believe that uh, hog feeding is down 15% nationwide. In some of the critical production areas, it's down as much as 60%. Soy meal prices are plummeting. So then you start looking at overall Chinese demand for soybeans being overstated by USDA by 10 to 15 million metric tons, maybe more. We see this as being a five to seven year problem within China, shifting some of that soybean meal to other parts of the world, including United States and Canada. That will take time, but we see that happening. But it's really changing the entire protein complex of the world this year. We were talking earlier in the program uh, with Randy Spronk with the National Pork Producers Council uh, about a coalition that they're part of calling for an end to the tariffs, steel and aluminum tariffs on Mexico and Canada. These are kind of getting overlooked with all the other things going on in the news, but they are in place, and they're certainly having a a negative impact, aren't they? Well, they are, and uh, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is we're seeing pork Pork consumption in Mexico, for example, increasing by 5%. I'm talking about per capita consumption, increasing by 5% per year. So a tremendous market opportunity in Mexico. Uh, And here again, what they don't buy from us simply raises their domestic prices and means that they expand their pork production there in Mexico. Of course, that means importing more corn from the United States in order to meet that growth need. Um, but uh, here again, it's just kind of like shifting soybean production to Brazil. We're, in essence, kind of shifting pork production. We've seen a lot of breeding animals moving south into Mexico as they expand production. A lot of moving parts here as we uh, look ahead into 2019. Arlen, as always, thank you for your perspective. Thank you, Mike. Take care. That's uh, Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Well, President Trump, when he spoke at the American Farm Bureau meeting, talked about uh, immigration and the need, recognizing the need for agriculture uh, workers from other countries. And we've seen some movement in Congress, some things introduced that uh, could possibly help the situation. We're going to get a get an immigration update, especially when it uh, pertains. We're going to talk with Paul Schlegel, Managing Director of Public Policy for the American Farm Bureau Federation. That's coming up next, the very latest uh, in Congress and what we might see coming up and the need for agriculture in this uh, labor issue. So stay with us. That's coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, sir, with Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. 
When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the annual household income is $35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press. The emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, Mobile Help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Okay, men. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. And be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping. Cook, clean, be there a moment. Dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit? Doesn't matter. No credit? Doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce? It just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people. Told us, great company. Got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. I can't believe he found them. He seems sorry. We very clearly told him not to look up there. I'm honestly impressed that he was able to do it. Right? What did he balance on that big chair? Or... Yeah, I mean, I guess he'll just know what his gifts are this year. I really thought we had hidden them well. If they can find their presence, they can find a gun. 911, what is your emergency? Every day, eight kids and teens are unintentionally killed or injured by loaded and unlocked guns. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. 
Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agricultural reform, technology, as well as through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Want to get an update on the uh, immigration issue and what's going on there. Paul Schlegel joins us now, Managing Director of Public Policy for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Paul, President Trump at the AFBF convention. We've seen some things introduced in Congress since then. What President mentioned it when he spoke to our What he actually said was that he recognizes the importance of labor and he wants to make it easier for producers to get it. So those were, I think that that was music to our our members' ears. And legislation was introduced in the House and the Senate just in the last uh, 10 days or so um, that addresses one aspect of the issue, which is the, the legal status of workers in agriculture. That's a very, it's an important element of any bill. We don't have legislation yet that uh, would establish a new guest worker program, and that's at least as critical a part of the problem. So we have something to indicated we want to work with uh, Congresswoman Lofgren from California. She's the new chairman of the Immigration Subcommittee, and uh, make sure we can produce something for our members. Is there bipartisan support? was introduced there are no Republican co-sponsors but in my discussion with the they have indicated very clearly that they want this to be the start of a process under which they're going to reach out to Republicans to do it so uh, that's positive um, we certainly hope it can produce something as you well know because you've asked me this in the past it's a, it's a challenging and controversial topic and I'm not going to say it's going to be easy but initially, at least, we have the right attitude and the right approach, and we're going to do what we can to see if we can succeed. Well, as we have discussed, it has been a struggle to get something done on the ag workers' side separate from the overall immigration issue in this country. Do you think there's now a path forward on this? Um, uh, you always criticize me for being an optimist, don't you, whenever I talk to you? <laughs> and, 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 and so I, I'm going to... I'm going to say that um, there is certainly a recognition on both sides of the aisle that agriculture has a problem that needs to be addressed. That is there. When you get into the weeds and the details of approach, I can't tell you today that the elements are there for a bipartisan agreement, but I do think there's a willingness on everybody... I was requested to go up to Capitol Hill earlier this week to a Republican office of a, a member who's been very engaged. That's positive. I have a meeting in the Senate tomorrow. Um, so the, people are talking, and um, as I say, it's not going to happen without a lot of hard work, but everyone's willing to do that. I don't criticize your optimism. Sometimes I have questioned it in the past. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but I, I hope you're right. I, I thought 
and you never know, is it just a, a line and a speech that you know it's going to be well-received by the audience, talking about it when the president brought it up at the AFBF meeting. Uh, you don't know, but I thought it was significant that he raised that issue because I think the feeling is, you know, uh, that his immigration policy is going to make it harder to, uh, to get uh, ag workers. And I think people have questioned whether or not uh, the policy he has in mind will help uh, agriculture or not or recognize the need uh, for the uh, ag workers. So I thought just him mentioning it showed at least a recognition that uh, at, at, the, at that level, the highest level. Oh, you're absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, anybody will tell you, Trying to get any president's attention on their given issue is tough. You think of all the things that cross a president's desk. The fact that it's on his radar screen, he knows it, he recognizes the problem, and he wants to help. That, you're absolutely right. That is a, that is a major thing, and, and you hope we want to build on that. Again, you get into details, and you get it, it's tough, but the fact that that recognition is there is very significant. Yeah, to me, it was the takeaway from the speech. I mean, the rest of it, I mean, he talked so much about the border wall and things like that. But when it came uh-huh. to the ag issues, uh, you know, a lot of the things I thought we could expect and we did hear it. But I thought that one stood out because of what's going on overall in the country on on that particular issue. All right, Paul. So what's the next step on this? Well, the next step is, you know, we, we have legislation. Um, we are going to be talking to members of Congress on both sides of the aisle on the things we need. You know, to be honest with you, and this is just uh, Farm Bureau talking, if you could have taken Mr. Goodlatte's bill, what he had on a worker program last year in the H2C, and married it with the bill that Congresswoman Lofkin introduced, you would be pretty close to a, a really good solution for agriculture. Um, some people feel differently. They feel, for instance, the, the Lofkin bill would give a path to citizenship for farm workers, their spouses, and their children. That is going to be, I think, a tough sell to some members of Congress. But, you know, you you take what you can and you work it, and the next steps are going to be getting members to sit down and do the nitty-gritty hard work of putting the bill together. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. It seemed like we were so close last year. We we were, and, and my own professional judgment is I think we had the votes on the House floor, but... The leadership didn't schedule it. That's very unfortunate. Um, but, you know, we still have legislation that, that had a lot of good elements in it, and we've already had members saying, so you take that and you work from it, and so we take the good elements of good lab, which was not a perfect bill, um, but you take the good elements, you take the good elements of Zoe Lofgren's bill, and maybe we can get something that's good for growers across the country. Which is kind of the way it ought to be done, right? Take the best from yeah. different uh, approaches and, and combine them into one good bill? Right, yeah. And maybe if we have a little luck and, and uh, due diligence, we can... Yeah, a little more uh, of that approach would help in a lot of different issues, I think, for sure. Paul, thank you very much. Always appreciate the update. Good to talk to you. And stay optimistic, okay? (laughs) I will. I will. (laughs) Okay. All right. Thanks. Paul Schlesinger, Public Policy for the American Farm Bureau Federation, with an update on uh, the uh, ag labor issue. All right. Just a reminder that uh, next week, uh, next Thursday and Friday, 
I'll be in New Orleans for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association Convention. Looking forward to broadcasting from there uh, next Thursday and Friday. Coming up tomorrow, more on the government shutdown. It's in in particular, and uh, what's going on with some of the trade issues as well, plus more coming up uh, tomorrow. So I hope you'll join us right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture.